Welcome to the Convergence Podcast. The Convergence is a space designed for university students, college students, and young adults to explore and deepen their faith. It's a space to think, question, doubt, and hopefully, ultimately, to worship. So glad you're here. So we had such a rich conversation on October 20th at our Convergent Conversations where we together talked about a spirituality of being alone. And it was a beautiful time. So this is a recording from that event. Um, on November 3rd is our next Convergence at Brentview Baptist Church, and we'll talk about a spirituality of study. Here is Convergent Conversations from October 20th. So, so, little summary from last time. Do you want to quickly go over it for those of us maybe who weren't in the room? Yeah, I will, we can hit just a few key, a few key themes. So first of all, um, our last talk was a follow-up to the previous talk. So the last time we talked about a spirituality of being alone. And then uh, that was a follow-up of a spirituality of being together. And... I guess maybe to go to the first one, um, we drew a lot from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was this German scholar, actually fascinating guy. Um, there's a book called um, Bonhoeffer's Black Jesus, which is super fascinating because Bonhoeffer lived, I'm totally digressing here, but anyway, uh, Bonhoeffer lived um, and was a minister and a theologian during the time of, in Nazi Germany. And uh, actually, he was quite transformed when he moved to, uh, I think, Harlem and, and then came back. And, it, and so he was a resistor of the Nazi regime and of Hitler, ultimately got him killed. Um, and so he's just one of the, he's just a prolific theologian and thinker. And he has this one book called Life Together. And in Life Together, he, he makes kind of these two provocative statements, right? Where the one is like, um, let the person who can't be alone be aware of community. Uh, and then he makes the opposite point, like let the person um, who can't be in community be aware of being alone. And so he links these two types of being, uh, being together in community and, and being alone. Uh, as important. And so one of the things that we talked about last time was um, maybe a few kind of highlights. One is that I think one of the things that keeps us from thinking well in this area has to do with us immediately going in our heads to introversion and extroversion. We think, oh, and and I had a number of people say that um, in various forms oh, well, you know, that's going to be really hard for the extroverts or the introverts will totally get this. And I'm like, "Mm, not so sure. Because um, the solitude that we're talking about is um, a specific type of being alone. And in fact, one of the things that we talked about is that at the very beginning of Scripture, we do have after creation where it says, that God pronounces that it was not good for the first human to be alone. Um, 
And this is because it was a perpetual kind of aloneness that kept the human um, from experiencing true community, the type of community that, that they needed. And I'm referring, by the way, in that way, because the first person's not referred to as a man until, in Hebrew, until the creation of woman, by the way. So we always talk about like Adam as if Adam the man was there. Well, actually, Adam became a man at the creation of, of woman. And so you have this kind of fascinating thing happening. So there is the not good of aloneness, which we talked about as even solitary confinement um, in our prison systems, which is almost a, a form of torture for people. Um, but on the way in tonight, I was listening to Bob Ekblad talk about you know this word withdrawal that happens over and over again. And this is the positive kind of solitude that Jesus practiced. And so... The type of solitude we're talking about is not the solitude that produces loneliness, but the solitude from which we withdraw and we're actually fed. And so this is why um, categories, I think, of introversion, extroversion become difficult, is because it's possible to be alone and have a non-productive alone time. Um, So in other words, you're scrolling on reels or whatever, and then... um, like 45 minutes passes and you're like, what have I just done? Like, what just, how much time just passed? And right. Um, is that solitude? Is that like a, 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 a being alone that feeds you or soul? Um, maybe not. So you could be an introvert who, a lot, who likes being away from people, but not actually experience a solitude that feeds your soul. In the same way, you could be an extrovert and like being with people and yet experience a way of being with people that um, feels very lonely, right? And I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you're with a group of people and yet you feel like they're laughing, they're having an amazing time, and you feel like, why do I feel so distant from everything going on? So have you experienced community? Probably not, really. And so I talked about the move away from those categories um, into the category, which I think influences time. And so then we talked about the idea of flow, drew a lot from uh, Andy Crouch here. And Andy Crouch talks about this idea of flow. Um, and he talks about how, about how we enter things and exit things and how we experience time. So you can enter a thing with great difficulty Think about running, and maybe people here love to run or love, you know, some kind of cardio sport um, or whatever it is. That it's actually there's resistance at the front end of doing that. Writing, all kinds of productive, creative things, maybe reading, right? And it's like for some reason there's always resistance of like actually picking up the book and reading it, or of writing the paper or of doing these things. And yet, once you get going, you experience a kind of flow which you leave that feeling great. Um, On the other hand, there are other things which we enter into with almost no effort whatsoever. Scrolling through reels or searching through Netflix or, you know, being on the computer and like just this endless stuff that you can do for hours. So you enter it with ease, but you leave it feeling almost ashamed and feeling depleted of energy because um, you've 
not experience something life-giving and somehow it's it's actually taking you almost out of this world um into this like weird almost alternate universe where you're like what is even what even just happened for the past two hours right like have you ever experienced that you've been just like flipping through whatever and you're like what 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 just happened literally um and so the final thing that, that I'll say is then we then talked about this idea of uh, asking the question, why is it we resist solitude, right? Why is it the thing that actually feeds us becomes so difficult? And talked about the way in which um, Henry Nouwen, he says, you know, first of all, we have a fear of the empty space. And the reason that we have a fear of the empty space is because we, it, it's linked to identity. We're so used to identifying ourselves by what we do, right? And so I've worked with musicians for two decades. And for some of these people, if you take their instrument away from them, they have no clue who they are. Um, and this is true for a lot of us. I am what I do or I am what I have or I am what people say about me. And this can be true of people like building businesses and it's like, oh, they're good. They're a good entrepreneur. They're a good this. Um, even in spiritual terms, actually. Oh, they're so holy. Oh, they're so, what a prayer warrior. And then we begin to take identity in these things. Um, th another two categories now and uses is I am my greatest failure. And then a more shocking one, I am my greatest success. He says, all of these are terrible ways of defining ourselves. Um, but we're afraid of the empty space because we don't know who we are when we're not doing something. And so he talked about that. But he said, maybe there's a second thing. Maybe actually we're afraid of the empty space because we're actually afraid God might say something to us. <laughs> And maybe God will lead us uh, in a place that we don't want to go. Now, the place that we don't want to go is a place which is always beautiful and wonderful. But like the things that bring us life, there's resistance at the front end. And but when we if we can enter these productive spaces of solitude, somewhere in our soul, we sense God speaking our true identity, which is not based on what we do. But it's our baptismal identity where, where Jesus, where, where the Father says, you are my beloved. The same thing the Father said over Jesus at his baptism. And when God speaks that to us, then we can come together and we're not trying to get from each other what we're only supposed to get from God. And because when that happens, then this whole thing right here, this is fraught with all kinds of potential for division, for frustration with each other, for being overbearing with each other, because we're like, oh, I just, when I'm with you, you know, like we're trying to get that thing from God from each other. So those were really, you know, it's probably too lengthy, but that's kind of the, a summary of the, of the last talk. And this kind of makes me think of, uh, I think it was Marva J. Don who wrote a book called a Royal Waste of Time. Yeah, great book. And I, I've, I haven't read the full book, but essentially she refers to this idea of a royal, royal meaning, you know, we're, we're spending time in worship and prayer, which is an action directed towards God. But that on the outside seems like a complete waste of time. We're singing mm. to an invisible God. 
and praying to an invisible God, spending time together in that space. But she says that it's not it, it's not productive. It's it's us worshiping doesn't make God love us any more than he already does. It doesn't make him act any more than he already wants to act. So in that sense, it's a waste of time. Yeah. If we're doing that to be productive, we're trying to get something from him. But then on the other side, she says that by entering into this worshipful experience, there's something that is happening inside of us that then mm. somehow qualifies us to do work outside of, of that worshipful experience. Yeah. And so yeah. just kind of thinking of this idea of maybe solitude then is seen as a waste of time because it's not productive. It's not about doing something, but it's almost entering into this experience yeah. with God that somehow transforms something from the inside out. And so I'm just curious as to what people think about this idea of solitude and of being with God and of not actively trying to produce something in that space. Um, I think definitely going into those moments, I feel like I want to get something out of it. And when we have alone time with God, there's not necessarily always a big moment or like a takeaway from it. And so when we get into those spots and we're like, I didn't get anything from this. Like, what's the point of me doing it? We don't look at the long game of like, mm. this is a continual journey with God and not a quick get my fix and then keep going with the day. So I feel like our need for productivity and being efficient definitely affects the way that you can actually rest in God's presence and experience those moments. Mm-hmm. So good. Yeah, I think with that comes a question like, how does one know that they've truly experienced solitude? Is yeah. it a feeling because sometimes you enter into that space of quiet and silence, and like you said, yeah. nothing happens, or maybe you exit. We talked about the the entrance point and the exit point. Sometimes you yeah. exit it and you don't feel any better than mm-hmm. maybe when you've entered because it is this process that takes time. So I'm just wondering, like, how do we truly know that we've experienced solitude in it? in that true sense yeah I think like a lot of it is like intention where it's like I think like when you're like in high school you just see people every day it's really easy to have friends because you're like oh I see you every day we're like sitting beside each other in math class I, I hang out with this person like three hours a week right but then it's like you become an adult and then you're like I actually have to like schedule time with like people to, who care about me and like hang out with them and it's like it's a challenge because it's not given to you it's not mm-hmm. like it doesn't just flow sometimes you need to be like I want to spend time with you and we need like not like a controlling thing but like really being super almost ruthless and disciplined in like I, I want to spend time with you I value you kind of thing and I think like that's maybe something in solitude where it's like having that intention with God and it's not about like oh like I feel like it's very dangerous to have the, your feelings of after your prayer signify how you feel about your prayer because then you get to this like scary slippery slope of when you're yeah. in a low in life then you're like oh like God's not answering my prayers yeah. what does this mean but it's literally just like you're in a desert and you're just like the only thing to do is to just keep walking mm-hmm. right yeah. where it's just like I don't I don't feel like you're answering my prayers but I, I need to just keep going because that's the only thing I can do and I know you're faithful and it's not a, it's not a, like a feeling choice. It's like a disciplined, like ruthless yeah. choice of being like, <laughs> I'm choosing this right now, right? So mm-hmm. it's like maybe that's kind of like 
the solitude where it's like very high intentioned rather than like going off of feelings because feelings can come and go but like ruthlessly choosing something like obviously you may like fail sometimes but like usually that will stay over like oh I'm not feeling it today kind of thing right so no. so good so good yeah anyone else any other thoughts on that I mean I feel like it's what John Mark Comer talked about yeah. in the ruthless elimination of hurry hmm. like we're so caught up in the rhythm of the world that yeah. we forget to walk by God's rhythm hmm. which is just like a slow pace that like it's creation he worked for six days he rested for one and it's I was reading this other book that was talking about how we don't just Sabbath on that seventh day, but we Sabbath every day because our souls just need that rest. Mm-hmm. I think that's such an, such an important point about rhythm. Is God set up the world to work according to a certain rhythm, right? Which, by the way, I, I would say is a slow rhythm. And I say this all the time, God is slow. And people are like, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. And then, it, they, and then w- about 15 seconds later, they go, well, I mean, God seems slow to us, but really God is working in God. I'm like, well, which is it? Is, like, is God slow? But we take slow as a negative category, right? And that's a fascinating thing. Because we want things now, but we don't notice that it's really just preparation for what's to come. Okay, so think of this, right? So the leaves are falling off the trees right now. And how do we normally frame this as we talk? We talk about the beauty of fall, but we're like, it's beautiful, but well, what's happening, in, what's happening in, in autumn? Why are the leaves falling? Transition. Snow's coming, yeah. yeah. The trees are trying to re- reach apoptosis. Regenerate. <laughs> I don't think everybody talks about it that way. There's a like transition. 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 But a lot of times people talk about death. They're like, it actually signifies death because the leaves are actually dying, mm-hmm. right? But on the other hand, um, I, uh, Karel Chapek, actually, the guy who I um, referenced in the very first talk, the guy who coined the term robot. Mm-hmm. So this same guy, he, he writes on, on um, gardening. He talks about October as the first spring. Because, he says, in October, things begin to grow down. Um, and we don't see this growth. We don't experience, right, to your point, we don't walk away. It, it's like the prayer time that we walk away from. That we're like, well, I didn't really sense anything. Or the run, like not all runs do you get a runner's high. Some of them you just like come back and like, oh, it was brutal. I did it, but it was brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, but in October, things begin to grow down. And in the wintertime, uh, actually, that, this is when the tree gets stronger because it's growing the roots down. And it's a slow work and it's an unseen work but it's exactly what's happening now that allows for spring when everything begins to grow again um i, I was at a lecture we were both i'm trying to remember if this this is lecture one or two last week we saw uh, willie james jennings who's just and dan was there too uh and noah was there actually i think weren't you no maybe you just came for dinner <laughs> and and he and he said in one of the lectures he said how do we think of the future coming? Like, if somebody could demonstrate it to me, just visually, how does the future come to us? 
Think spatially. Where, where, if you could point to the future and then bring it to yourself, where is it? Okay, interesting. I see some pointing. A whole lot of confusion. Right? But he would say normally we think of the future as out there and it's coming here. Or it's out there and we're moving towards it. And he said this is totally wrong. He said the future is here. He said because everything that we know comes up. Every seed that gets planted goes down. But the future actually is springing up so the future in a sense is, is below us and I think that informs how we think about the spiritual life as well right mm-hmm. we often think of the spiritual life as way out there somewhere that hopefully we can achieve as opposed to that prayer time which may feel and in fact we talked about the Bonhoeffer, Bonhoeffer said this last time he's like look you may not walk away from your time of prayer and solitude feeling like that was the best thing that ever happened. What a mystical encounter. He said, might, that might happen. Mm-hmm. But it's never unproductive. And it's like the seed in the ground. It's like the roots in autumn and winter, which are preparing for the heavy load of spring. So, yeah. Yeah, it makes me, there's almost a progression even to solitude. is not something we kind of fence in and try mm. to, and you talked about this last time, this kind of our need for control. Yeah. And... And we don't know what to do in a space where we can't really control what is happening to us. And, and so I think um, Eugene Peterson talks about this idea of willful but active passivity. Mm-hmm. So he says that when we come to prayer, we willfully submit to an activity that has been initiated by God himself. Yeah. We're, not, we're responding to something that he has already opened up the horizon for us to enter into. And so when I think of solitude and kind of this idea of, of control and how you, if it's a progression, then you don't really have much control over how long it takes or how the stages of development will be about, but almost this idea of willfully entering into some sort of like a submission to a process that God has already initiated. He's already waiting for us in that space, mm-hmm. wanting to, you know speak over us or wanting to to just love love us and so i think even for me part of the struggle sometimes to not do is that control of you know i'm gonna do my quiet time and receive something i'm gonna pray you know speak to god and it's gonna come back and so we really don't know what to do with that space of not Mm -hmm. of not trying to control because none of us are in control of anything, actually. Yeah. Anything. Uh, furthermore, God is not in control. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh, We're this is the there. last time I'm coming to this <laughs> event of heresy. Um, God is not in control. Can we, we say this all the time. Don't worry, God is in control. God is in control. But control is not the right word for it. Because control assumes a certain um, pulling of the strings, a certain like forceful making something happen. God is not out of control. And I'm drawing Chris Green here mm-hmm. now. Yes. <laughs> uh, theologian. Um, but control is not even the best category to think of God in, I don't think. God is sovereign. 
and we've misused that word a lot. In fact, to me, control. God controls everything. Um, the problem with the idea of control, right, is that when when a child dies, it's like, well, God's in control. Well, what does that mean? Does it mean God makes everything happen? Like, what do we mean by that? Mm. No, God is sovereign. God is somehow working out every moment in a redeemable way. Mm. Um, but I love that. What, what are the what, a willful... Active passivity, as opposed to inactive passivity, passivity, which he says that it's it translates into slug or laziness. Mm. And I wonder if sometimes that's the fear for us in withdrawing to being with God for an extended period of time, because you know maybe like oh this is being lazy, I'm not doing anything. And mm. so I think there is a danger with solitude where it can be an excuse for maybe laziness or like inaction. But he's saying that that active component is has to do with awareness, has to do with being fully present mm. in in that relational interaction with God in that space. What does it feel like when when you feel like you're fully present somewhere? <laughs> I was going to ask, like, what does like practically look like to be fully present? Yeah. And like in that film, like that's a good question that got me thinking. <laughs> <laughs> like, All right, yeah. let me think. And it doesn't don't you don't have to think of like prayer. Just like people. People on a walk on whatever. Hmm. I think it's like like for me personally, it's not. It's more like you're in harmony with everything else. Mm -hmm. It's like the best way for me to describe it. Like I go camping a lot, and especially like when I'm camping out on my own, and it's just me in the wilderness. Like I feel, I feel present. I feel content. Mm -hmm. I feel, you know, closer. That kind of. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the best way for me to describe it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love so, that. Yeah, I feel like it's. Um, we say like listen to people and like that'll make you present but we're like constantly thinking about what we need to say next mm -hmm. and for me being present is just like actually absorbing what people are saying and not letting the worries of the day get in the way and just like really focusing on one thing yeah. putting your phone away yeah. enjoying it noticing my surroundings mm -hmm. like i like the word harmony too like yeah. you just feel mm -hmm. at peace you know striving yeah. Mm. I think of being in tune with reality. And mm. that sounds maybe <laughs> obvious, but I think it's very easy to be present in a moment, but not be attuned to kind of the meaning of the moment. Yeah. Um, and so I think, yeah, that harmony piece, that listening piece has to do with kind of being able to experience reality as it really is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, true, true reality. Which then kind of makes me think of, of time. And you talked about this in our last talk about how solitude is a, a manner of re-experiencing time and mm -hmm. of time being redeemed. Because I think in our culture, time is kind of made a commodity, right? We divide up our hours to be organized and, and that's not a bad thing and, and of course we we're employed and we're people pay us for our time like it kind of becomes this thing that we control and we can stretch 
and we have say over what goes into our time and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. But then I think of kind of being in the presence of God who is outside of time. Like how do we experience time in that space? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, if time is, it, I, I think of time as, is, well, time is a created thing. It's another created being almost. And to go back to your word rhythm from earlier, God works according to a certain rhythm. So can we get in sync with, with God's time and other certain practices that allow us to do that? But you're absolutely right. Time, time is a commodity, um, which is why we like think about the, think about the expression "time is money." Mm -hmm. Like, really? Is time money? <laughs> but if time is money, then what? To, how does that shape my imagination for mm -hmm. how I live my life day to day? Mm. Um, am I spending my time with my son? Am I mm. able to have a royal waste of time? Right in in your you know as you pointed to Marva Dawn's words, if it doesn't make me money. But the other thing, time we we experience time as burden. Mm -hmm. And if you think think about how we talk about time, I mean, what are some of the, some of the things we say as time is burden? Like, there's only so many hours in the day. Mm -hmm. um, you know, particularly when we're like getting close to exams, <laughs> uh, midterms or whatever, right? It's like I don't have enough. I don't have enough time, mm -hmm. and and so suddenly time becomes. Something this, you can run out of. Something you can run out of. And then if you think of it as in a larger way, um, and I always hate making myself seem so old in these events, but like, <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> when, you hit my, when you hit my age, and um, just you hit the switch somewhere along the line. I think for me, it might have been when my dad died, where you realize, like, I, I just like I actually don't have all the time in the world. Um, hmm. I am, you know, midway through my like for me, midlife crisis does not look like wanting to buy a sports car, <laughs> <laughs> and like all the stereotypical things. For me, it is. Oh my gosh, do I have time to do the PhD? And do I have, you know, mm. and what if I had done this differently? And what if I had have started earlier? And what if, what if I had done this differently with my money? And what if I had done, and you go through all of these weird things because you then, but think about what that does to your life. If I don't, and it goes back to achievement through identity, right? Mm. If I don't do all of these things, um, right? And it's like, life then becomes a race against the clock mm. mm -hmm. I don't know when I, I don't know how many days I have left and we all think you you all think it's forever um, <laughs> <laughs> nope. right? um, it, but you know it feels that way when it feels that way and then suddenly I don't know like your parents die or your friend dies this is by the way why I think Ash Wednesday something very few um, like evangelical churches practice. I didn't practice it growing up, but I think it's a deeply important practice because it's once a year where you are reminded you are going to die. Mm -hmm. 
And we're like, we spend our whole lives trying to avoid that reality. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it does is, is say, it reorients your understanding of time. But solitude does this too. By the way, so I just read this this morning. Mm-hmm. Um, Abraham Heschel mm-hmm. is, is one of my favorite authors. And he says, forgive his language here, um, because he, it's very masculine. It, it, this is old, okay? <laughs> the modern man, the modern person, um, has not only forgotten how to be alone, he mm. finds it even difficult to be with his fellow man. Yeah. He not only runs away from himself, he runs away from his family. To children, honor your father and mother is an irrational suggestion. The normal relationship is dull. Deviation is where pleasure is found. And he says this, the modern man does not know how to stand still, how to appreciate a moment, an event for its own sake. Mm. When witnessing an important event, and this is written like decades ago, by the way, when witnessing an important event, we're confronted with a beautiful sight. All he does is take a picture. <laughs> Perhaps as this is what our religious traditions must teach the contemporary man, to stand still and behold, to stand still and hear. Mm. And then he, you know, to your question, he says, he's a, a Jewish scholar, and, and he had written, Judaism claims that the way to nobility of the soul is the art of sanctifying time. Mm. Moral dedications, acts of worship, intellectual pursuits are means in the art of sanctification of time. Mm. And so I think what this does, when I'm able to have these moments of real solitude and, and, and like something in my soul happens, my life is no longer a race against the clock. Mm-hmm. And the tree is no longer a commodity that I have to take a picture of or the sunset. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but like mm. you can just experience, experience the moment for what it is. Mm. And that sanctifies time, as he says. Mm. It changes how we, time is no longer money. Um, Time is no longer a burden and my life is no longer judged by the clock. Mm. I, time has been sanctified and time is now gift instead of burden. Wow. So that's how I, that's at least part of what I I think is is going on in those moments. We expand somehow, right? Mm And it almost stops becoming a means to an end. Like time is always kind of a means to an end, but it almost, in that space with God, God becomes not a means to an end. It he becomes the end it, in itself. Mm. You know, that moment, like you said, we experience it for the sake of experiencing it and not to do something with it beyond yes. that. Even though it does impact us in the long run somehow. Yeah. And it will improve the quality of our lives and inevitably the quality of of the kind of work we produce in the world but it's not a yeah trying to grasp for that in order to get to a different end Mm. yeah i guess on a different note the thing that i struggle with is the aspect of it needing to be like this uninterrupted like spontaneous 50 minute time but like i got work 
from 8 to 4.15. Mm-hmm. I have to get up and get ready. When I come home, I'm making dinner. I'm getting ready for the next day. And I like to go to bed early. So mm-hmm. it's like I don't have that time. It has to be scheduled within my day. But then it just doesn't feel as... Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's you know? special. It doesn't feel yeah. like I'm sanctifying. It feels like I'm punching my 15 minutes like, hey, in. Check. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I sat on my yoga mat for 15 minutes. Like, thanks, God. Like, I didn't like, mm. it doesn't feel like, like it should be, you know, like, like that. Yeah. Well, but, so maybe a couple questions on that. Um, what would it look like then for you to shift your understanding of time during the day and not just... I, th- I think the temptation is, and obviously we're talking about solitude, right? So a yeah. valid point. <laughs> um, but is there a way of shifting our understanding of, of the day? And is there other times when we can have prolonged mm-hmm. seasons of, and, and by prolonged, like even a day or whatever, or yeah. an hour on the weekend or whatever, that can reorient how we think of time. Mm-hmm. Because I you know, I said something earlier about, and I, I knew I was uncomfortable with myself as I was saying it. <laughs> when I'm like, not, not like when you're praying, but um, I actually think the deeper into life with God that we go, the more all of life we realize that actually all of life is prayer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is the sanctifying of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That when I'm doing some of these mundane things, um, mm-hmm. they can actually be prayer. And but maybe it's a posture. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm not trying to commodify it again, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I kept coming back to that um, Leanne Payne quote: um, "We either contemplate or we exploit." Mm-hmm. And right, so this even the picture can be a means of exploitation. I'm doing this weird thing right now for uh, for a course I'm in where I have to keep a tree journal, <laughs> and so I have to write <laughs> weekly about the tree in my front yard. Wow! And uh, my professor today said, um, "Have any of you noticed that you're thinking about like maybe it's windy?" And you're thinking about your tree back home and like wondering about it. Uh, like wondering about it when you're not just right with it. And I'm like, I totally have. I'm like, I'm wondering about like, oh, I'm away. Like how many leaves have fallen off today? Just checking my or, tree. Oh, sorry, guys. Oh, what's the color? But think about that's how we think of like we don't mm. only think of friends when we're actually only just with them. Yeah, if they're real friends, mm-hmm. we think about them when we're not with them. Yeah. So when we can learn how to contemplate even creation mm. around us, yeah. then we think of it. It just changes how we think, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's like where the Jesus prayer comes from, right? Mm. Like I have to study a lot of ancient history, and so I've been focusing on like early Christian asceticism and like. Now, these people were focused on, like, loneliness and getting away from distractions and focusing on God. And, like, it, it's kind of funny because you would, you would expect them to, like, come out with, like, these big books on how to do it. But they come out with, like, this one prayer that's, <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Yeah. And they just keep repeating that over and over and over again, emptying their minds so that they can be fully present with the Lord. And so 
that it it's more than just like you know oh I gotta I can't I don't have time to take this out of my day but it's like developing like a sort of discipline where it's even if you don't want to you know it's it's a three second prayer that you can say that can empty your mind and get you you know focused on being present with the Lord and mm. kind of reminds me of that um, passage in Matthew talking about like um, he who knocks that kind of you also have to participate in it too. Like it's not just completely passive. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And to your point, Sharon, I think too of there's this book. Some of you have heard of it probably called "Practicing the Presence" by Brother Lawrence, and he was this monk from the what is it 1600s, something like that. And he. I would take Sarah's word. <laughs> I think so. And his job was to be a cook at this tiny monastery somewhere in Europe, I'm sure. But he kind of kept this journal and it's become a very central work for kind of spiritual formation and transformation because he talks about doing these mundane tasks, but somehow feeling closer to God in those times of mundane tasks than even in taking time away to pray. Mm. So he kind of, you know, as he's washing the dishes, he's praying and asking God to cleanse him. And and again, it, so it doesn't, I'm, I'm not saying that this is what we all have to do, but I think there's something to be said about how solitude almost retransforms and reconfigures our day-to-day life to the point where that distance becomes, that separation isn't almost there and you can actually maybe experience solitude in your day-to-day activities by being connected to God at all times, you know, but... Oh, totally. And I think of um, our, the former Buddhist chaplain at the UFC. He had said something one time that really challenged me about a practice that... Um, that he does and it had something to do with like the first drink that you have during the day mm-hmm. first sip of water or for me first sip of coffee he's like wh- how do you how do you experience that like do you just you sit <laughs> down and it's just I'm just like getting through my coffee um, he said what, what what's it like to pay attention mm-hmm to your cup of coffee or to pay attention to your cup of water to actually spend time and i that was a few years ago i think of it all the time and sometimes i do it and other times i just like i start there and then i just grab the phone and i'm like looking on instagram i'm like why am i why can i not have a cup of coffee you know what i mean um and so i think it's you know, I'm thinking of like, I only have these, this so much time, but what's it like to sit with a cup of coffee just intentionally and not, it takes discipline. Like it's hard actually. That's, it's foolishness that it's hard, mm-hmm. but it is hard to sit down and just enjoy whatever, you know, your, your water or your coffee or your tea or whatever you do in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some of these things, I think, can actually help to sanctify time as well. It's just, mm-hmm. again, it's paying attention. It's being in the moment instead of 
coffee is actually just a means of energizing me. Yeah. It's actually, well, maybe I could enjoy, think about the process mm-hmm. that, you know, things went through to get that cup of coffee. Yeah. It's pretty wild, right? But, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and it kind of comes back to like, I think this was you who was talking about it, but of solitude not being necessarily the space where we're like all alone, but mm-hmm. actually experiencing it throughout the day to day. And as you guys are talking, I'm like, oh yeah, that was kind of touched on last week about you can experience solitude when you're with other people and you can experience it as you're doing other things. And just because you're doing something else doesn't mean you can't pray while you're doing it or, yeah, I don't know, experience solitude, if that makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I have a little bit of, like, pushback on this idea of, like, solitude in your day-to-day, like, while you're doing stuff. Because if it's, like, to sanctify time a little bit more and take you out of that productivity and you can't even take five minutes Mm -hmm. to just be. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, you know? Mm -hmm. So for me, it's like really hard to, um, think about solitude in that way. I don't think it can be as rich. Mm -hmm. I I don't think it can be. I don't know. I guess it It depends what you're doing. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. But like, to your point, the times that I've had the best solitude have been when I'm like away for like three months in the mountains <laughs> of the Philippines and like just reading my Bible every day. But like, that's not practical. Right. And yeah, it would be ideal if sure five minutes. But like mentally, I can't do that for just five minutes. <laughs> I'm running through my day and like, you know that what I mean? That's allowed. Yeah. yeah. But I, I do wonder, um, to go back to the concept of withdrawal, yeah. because I think, I, do th- I, I think it's a healthy pushback. Yeah. Um, what does it mean? That I've had times during busy work days where I'm like, I need to take a 10 minute walk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, we can sometimes over-spiritualize this and be like, what I need to do now is run, go through my, the prayer list at the back of my journal. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, that's great, right? I, I'm not saying any, any of that's any of that. that. Um, what I am saying is that there's a way of being attentive and alone with God that maybe that walk um, can help propel us. It brings us back in a different headspace to then be with others more intentionally, mm-hmm. that when we are on the job, when we are doing the dishes, when we are whatever. Um, and this happens for me. I don't know how it happens for you. For me, uh, I've had, so earlier this week, and I, I, I talk about this all the time, it's kind of funny, but it's true actually, where I was like really stressed about something my wife knew, <laughs> and she goes, you should probably go for a run. And. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's actually, so again, it was the thing I didn't want to do. But when I did go on the run, I came back, it changed my whole day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't listening to anything, but I was able to get embodied again uh, mm-hmm. and to be alone with God. Um, even last night, I was driving the car and I'm just like, you know what? Let me not put on the podcast. I paused the podcast and I'm like, Okay, God, I'm just going to get real here for a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of frustrated with a few things. 
Mm. I named them and then I just drove for a bit. Mm -hmm. And, I, you know, what happens there? I don't know. But you're, it's interesting because is solitude non-activity? Like we just have to sit in a chair and, you know, contemplate? If, or is it entering into a different kind of activity that actually helps us to really connect with God? Mm. For example, running, you're still moving your body. There's still motion, activity happening. But somehow your soul in that space and your mind are being connected to one another and to God. And yeah. I know I've experienced that on runs as well where I feel weirdly connected to God maybe more than if I'm just sitting in this in this in one chair and like n trying not to move for an hour and forcing myself to to not do that and so I just wonder is is solitude non-activity or is it entering into a different kind of activity that is not burdensome or demanding but that helps us to be away and connect mm. with God if that makes sense like is the problem activity or is it that the wrong activity. Yeah. Is it just slowing down? Yeah, is it slowing? Because I, I would say even a walk is better than a run. Right, yes. And I've talked about this with... Uh, <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I feel person. like a run... Yeah, like... I feel like a run would do more for me than a walk sometimes. Well, yeah. but, but what... More of what would be my question. <laughs> so, for me... Yeah. Um, and I had this conversation with Mark Buchanan. He's an author here in the city. Yes. And he wrote a book called God Walk. Mm. Um, and I said to him, I, so I have this thing that happens to me when I run mm -hmm. without music. And sometimes people are like, like literally my daughter, if she can't find her AirPods, she's like, I'm not going to the gym. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like just run with no music. It's, it's like, you know, what kind of freak would run with their music? <laughs> I'm like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a weirdo. I can run with, like, ballads playing. I'm like, what else? Oh, same, same. Um, <laughs> but I, I'll say this. I, I have, like, soup. I have quick thoughts when I run. Um, I have, like, mm. super, like, oh, my gosh, I have this idea and this idea. I got to get back and write them down, blah, blah, blah you know. Whereas when I walk, um, I have productive thinking. I have productive. It, they're both productive, mm. but for me, they're productive in in different ways. Where my thoughts are much more slow, and it's actually what's happening inside me mm. seems to go with the pace mm. of how I'm moving. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm. That's fair. It's mm -hmm. also environment, like like where you're doing it, right? Like, yeah, I can't run on a treadmill, but I, I, I can go for like twenty kilometers on a trail with <laughs> like n nothing to listen to, but like outside when you're mm. completely alone, like it's it's where you're doing it too. Um, I definitely say because yeah. Mm -hmm. Is the discomfort all bad? I guess is the other question too. Mm -hmm. um, because yeah. things like I think of this with fasting. Yeah, I'm like. <laughs> I if I fast and I don't fast nearly enough, but if I'm like okay, I'm gonna fast and then like oh, I'm gonna feel so close to God and <laughs> be like you know wow, this is gonna be amazing. Um, and actually, I just end up being an irritable human being, <laughs> uh, <Yeah. laughs> like no fun to be around. And yet, um, I think that's part of the purpose is to realize how dependent I've become. Yeah. Mm -hmm. on the on 
you know, there's this verse in the Bible somewhere where it talks about your God, your belly is your God. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, <laughs> right? Like, oh yeah, I, that that for me, mm-hmm. when I fast, like mm-hmm. I never think about that verse, but when I fast, <laughs> I think about it all the time. I'm like, oh my goodness, yeah, totally. Like, I want, mm-hmm. and when I fast, I'm like, but I'm, I'm going to fast everything but no coffee. I, or like I have to have coffee because I'll have Something too bad of a headache. And it, but it just shows me mm. my um, the addictions in my life, mm. and you know that people shall not live by bread alone. Mm. And I always remember that. So again, it's the I always want the mystical encounter. Mm. Sometimes what I get is cranky, <laughs> and but. I'm able to bring that to God, and that is so important. Mm-hmm. Our restlessness, yeah. we can bring that to God. And I do think that it's important. Like, um, now when he talks about the spiritual life, he said most of us think of it as climbing higher and higher and higher. Mm-hmm. He says not really that. He said it's more circular. We move um, in rhythms, and uh, hopefully we're spiraling, you know, closer to God as we go through these circles and cycles of life. And some of the, at, at one point in the circle, we're busy. Mm. And another time, we have more time. And then we become busy again or whatever. But um, how is time redeemed, I guess, in, this, in, in the rhythms of life, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, when we look at the life of Jesus, there are a few instances in the Gospels where he intentionally withdraws. And I would say Jesus did things very intentionally and slowly, I would say, but he was extremely busy. Mm. And so I don't think necessarily our, our problem is busyness. He still was doing work, but he did it in this rhythm somehow. And I think of him, if Jesus, one of the busiest, you know, man in the world he took time to pray and to go and leave the crowd to be with a father and connect I, that just like there's no excuse for <laughs> for us so it's maybe not a matter of having time or not because again it's not something we possess if, if we say i have the time or i don't have the time maybe it's that matter of priority and mm. and how do we prioritize solitude in the context of busyness like what does solitude look like for student life for mm being a nurse or you know being a father and a chaplain and and how does solitude become a rhythm and mm. not something we like a vacation that we go to temporarily once a year and then oh we're fixed up now we can resume back regular life but how does this become actually become incorporated into our life yeah our like, are we willing to like do what jesus did and stay up all night to pray and actually get close like yeah. no i don't know Honestly, <laughs> it's like, am I willing to be like live out, like be more like Jesus? And it's like that's mm-hmm. a big question. It's a big ask. Mm-hmm. But we start. Where, I think we start where we are too, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like this is part of the the trick of the spiritual journey. Like I'll say two things. One is we can forever make excuses of like, but on the other hand, um, we're actually we're called to be people, not angels. <laughs> Most of us have a spirituality for angels, and we're trying to achieve it, and God never intended it. Uh, we're people. Mm-hmm. And living in this world in a particular way, 
and so I think, goodness, oh, I have I have ten minutes, but God, can you use ten minutes? I'd be curious, just hearing from different people, like where is when is it that you've been alone uh, or had particular practices where you felt time get sanctified? Maybe like on my night shifts is like when I have the most time to like actually be with the kids. And so mm. like I like I'll, I'll pick one up and just like snuggle and like pray with them. And I feel like that's like time like when you can make intention like on my shift actually. Wow, mm. that's like, beautiful. Yeah, on daily life. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> that's daily life. I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's I think that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who else? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can be with if a lot of people around me have many friends and feel lonely at sen- the same time. I feel long- lonely when I'm away from God's presence. Uh, you are not alone if you have Jesus and His Holy Spirit. I can be alone, but I will not feel alone. Uh, Matthew 28. Verse 20 says, uh, Jesus says, I am a few always, even until the end of the world. And John uh, 14, verse uh, 16 to 20, um, Jesus as well says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, the Spirit of the truth. He lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Thank you for taking the time to write that down, too. That means so much to us. (laughs) It's beautiful. Beautiful reminder that we are not, we're not doing this by ourselves. the Father sent a, sent a uh, mm-hmm. helper. Um, and so we're not, our solitude is not fully alone, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyone else, when you feel, when are times when you've been alone that you felt like, man, I felt time redeemed there, time sanctified? Uh, for me personally, like, I used to have this really good habit way, way back where I'd actually, like, wake up at, like, 4 a.m. and just... Mm. You know, wow. read my Bible. Mm. Like, first, of, like maybe the first fifteen minutes, I'll have my coffee just to really like you know wake up, I guess. And then I, that's when I start reading my Bible, and then that's really when I felt, I guess, in solitude and really just focus. And I, there are times where like I'd be reading scripture and then just like tear up sometimes because mm. I actually felt like he was like speaking to me there. Wow. And like I don't know that. I know it's a weird time and like it's very intense, but like it was just everyone's asleep, no one's texting you, no one's not trying to call you or anything. It's just yeah. you and just God in the Bible, right? Like yeah. I put my phone somewhere else, like I'm not looking at my phone at all. And it kept me like I had a really good rhythm and, and I was really disciplined because like I would, I'd have to sleep the night before like really early because like if I'm gonna wake up at 4 a.m., I gotta get my sleep too, right? So in that way, like. I was very disciplined and like if I start my day like reading my Bible kind of like throughout the day I'm like always thinking about 
the scripture that I read, so I'm always like in his, I guess, in his presence. Mm. I'll always be like mindful of okay, this is what I read this morning, and then, mm. and it'll just set my day up really nice too. Like I'm more, I'm more focused. I'm more like uh, driven to, more motivated, I guess, to do whatever I need to do and fulfill all my responsibilities during that day. So um, I kind of like regress to some bad habits. I act Right now, probably like I'll wake up at like six, maybe. Six, 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 six. What a slacker! <laughs> 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 you know, I, I wish I could come back to like four a.m. and actually, because like that was re- that was a really good rhythm for me. Like I got so many things done. Um, like I get my work done, I get my readings done, and everything, um, mm. meal prep and everything. It was it was a it was a good it was a good rhythm. But now I need to get back to it though. Wow. Yeah. Anybody else less intense? <laughs> That's great, bro. For for me, like the sense of harmony, and even uh, working at night. Like I, I used to work at a at a lumber mill back home, and so mm. I worked what's called the graveyard shift, so twelve a.m. to seven a.m. And the mill would like shut down at around one, and it would just like this thing where you had to put like ear like earplugs on earplugs to just like walk in during the day. It's completely silent at night and you're, mm. you're doing manual labor, hard labor, but there's nobody around you. You're just like, you're in this rhythm, you're doing, I think it's a combination of hard work and kind of silence where you can, you're in a repetitive motion where you can really get into your own thoughts and um, that's where I've had like the best mm. contemplative moments and the best like conversations with God for sure. Like anything manual labor where you're, not required to think that's what i think the best mm. beautiful so everybody 1 a.m 4 a.m <laughs> you're getting that's where we're at so far. No. <laughs> who else uh, that's beautiful yeah. i think for me uh something recently that i've been kind of astonished by is public transit You don't drive. You're like not in control of when you get there. You're just gonna get there. Mm. Yeah. And you know there could be like ten stops. There could be thirty, and you're gonna still get there. And so it's just like, and you're kind of just sitting there alone, or you're not. But like, it's still like feels like a kind of like just a peaceful time when I'm not in control of one thing for you know for some mm-hmm. minutes or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. I'm gonna take the bus home then. <laughs> 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 what was the question? <laughs> Just like when you moments yeah. of solitude, where when you felt uh, time sanctified. Oh, okay. I think for me, it's definitely anytime I'm outdoors mm-hmm. and I don't have my phone on me. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of rare because I am, I have times I need to be places, but the moments where I'm like, okay, I have a day. I'm just going to go on a walk or a hike or sit out in my backyard, mm-hmm. lay on a blanket, just sit and not have to worry about the time. That's when I hear God the best and mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, I'm not controlled by time. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Mm-hmm definitely find very similar with outdoors and I feel like for me it almost helps too if I have like a specific place because then my mind gets into that rhythm of like okay when I go there we're slowing down Mm. like there's this duck pond just off campus Mm. and it was so nice especially over the spring and the summer I used to go there it was like originally once a week and then I started going like every day usually I'd bring my book like planning to read but then I would end up just sitting staring at the ducks in the water and it was just honestly 
one of the nicest parts of the week. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Love that. When I was in university, way back, <laughs> uh, I used to work at TNT. And, uh, you worked I, at TNT? I worked at TNT. No oh, way. All those language skills. <laughs> yeah, French, right. English, Chinese. <laughs> but when I was working there, uh, I used to get the grave, either graveyard shifts or I would have to uh, walk up nice. uh, at, at the very end. Join the crew. There, there you go. <laughs> One of us. And uh, <laughs> after, like mm. at around, like whenever we had to uh, leave, sometimes it would be like 9 o'clock, other times it would be like 5 o'clock, and then I have to go back home. Mm. Uh, but I lived pretty much like 45 minutes away just by walking, so I would take that trail just from uh, Harvest Hills down down to Bennington Boulevard. Uh, and it was on those journeys that I think I encountered God the most while walking. Mm. Uh, like maybe going through an underpass, and it echoes when, when, when cars are going by. And so mm. you, you start singing, like, hey, I can hear my voice, this is great. <laughs> like, and, then you can, and then if you just belch, it just like oh, resonates. Wow. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and, 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 exactly. Uh, exactly, I don't know. <laughs> and, it's, and it's probably one of those things uh, like, uh, where I am, I was, yes, I'm supposed to go back home, but on this walk, I will enjoy this walk. Yeah. I will take this walk, and I'm going to have a good yeah. time on this walk. And I'm going to breathe in the uh, the pollen that's coming in from like the. <laughs> 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 uh, I don't have any allergies, but for those who have allergies, sorry. Uh, but I'm going to breathe in like the the CO2 that's being omitted at night, and somehow that's going to be that that like that transform my mind. Like, wow, this this place is fresh. This is new. This is mm-hmm. there's something glorious, like sanctifying, as we said. Uh, in other mm. words, it's like a way to uh, set up a resistance against mm. yeah. the commodification of yeah. my time. Like yeah. People will say, oh, I'll give you a ride, or I can I can uh, take you home, or whatever. I'm like, no, I, I don't want to do that. I want to take the time to mm-hmm. uh, enjoy God on this walk. And I would call this almost like communion with God. Or uh, if I were looking at the, at the moon, I'm like, wow, look at that. Like that moon, and then there's a, there's a cloud there. Somehow, like that reminds me of like this ever-flowing river, or uh, I guess in Chinese we call it the Tao. It's not scary, but uh, <laughs> uh, but but that that whole rhythm, like that communion with God in that journey, I'm not mm. walking. Uh, yeah. That that was kind of how I like stuck it to like did <laughs> <laughs> It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had a similar thing. Mm-hmm. Like two weeks ago, I was. I stayed up all night just studying for my astronomy midterm. <laughs> if you know me, you know that happens quite often. But um, one of the things I was learning is that in a galaxy, there's 100 billion stars, and there's about 100 billion galaxies. Mm-hmm. And like, I just, it was 6 in the morning, it was pitch black. I just stood outside waiting for the bus, and I look up and I see Orion's belt. And I'm like, God made that. Mm-hmm. God made one septillion stars mm. and he made me That's and it was just like okay it's all worth it that I stayed up all night because I get this one moment with God mm. wow that's amazing mm. notice the themes though mm-hmm. like A um, it really is and coming back to your point times where we are by ourselves whether or, or, or like with a baby too right I mean that's such a beautiful that's such a beautiful thing but um, 
you'll hear mothers sometimes talk about that in rocking a child in the middle of the night mm -hmm. but like time you're not sleeping and it's three in the morning but time somehow is sanctified there um mm -hmm. i've had the same thing daniel where you know walking and people are like oh i'll give you a ride i'm like oh you're kind of like ah, I, I don't really want to ride i want to walk uh story from uh a year a year ago so not thanksgiving a few weeks ago but the year prior um we had like celebrated i think the day before thanksgiving had a big thing and so like everybody was just home and like crabby to be honest and uh it's just like, oh man, the day is ending, and I was just thinking, like, wow, great Thanksgiving. <laughs> like, yesterday was nice. We'll hold on to that. And my dog was barking, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to take this dog out. <laughs> and it was super late, late. Well, not super late, but like nine or ten, right? But it was cold last year, so it felt late. <laughs> and so I was walking, and I remember looking like no way that can't be the northern lights because i'd never seen the northern lights before right so i'd been walking forever uh with the dog he's a big dog so i take him on long walks and then i hit one point and i'm like all of a sudden the lights started shifting and i'm like no way so i went back i got my daughter i'm like you have to like, get in the car she's like what are we doing I'm like i'm not telling you just get in the car so she gets in the car and i'm we i park up to like the end of where I walk, I'm like, hey, walk around the corner. She walks and she's like, oh my gosh, are those the Northern Lights? I'm like, yeah. So then I go get the whole family and we are standing outside and uh, like it wasn't just a little bit of movement. We hit, we went like w out in the dark where it was really dark and we were literally like screaming our heads off in the middle of nowhere all of us like oh my gosh what is happening and uh we we're just we we're losing our minds and it like changed our whole day right but this is that happened i i often think i would have missed it if i hadn't walked the dog that night mm -hmm. and gotten out by myself um so i think place is important time is important mm -hmm. paying attention is important um and grace is important too mm -hmm. that because you know that's the that's the other thing that actually keeps us <laughs> it presses us back to the burden right of like oh now i really wasted the day mm -hmm. and it's like and wasted it because I had to work hard and I, I couldn't pause and now we're going to beat ourselves up for the next two weeks, right? So mm -hmm. anyway, any final thoughts? Well, even it's interesting kind of in hearing everyone's experience of solitude, which is really encouraging and shows us that it is possible to enter into that space is kind of even you talking about the, and you, Tina, to looking at the stars of this idea of wonder and... I think we, in our culture, we that's a foreign kind of concept to us. Like, when was the mm. last time we were in awe of something or in wonder of, of something? And God is so worthy to be in wonder of, but I just think of solitude also as this call back to the wonder of who God is. And obviously that comes through, like you said, paying attention and being present. Mm 
to the moment, but it doesn't, solitude doesn't have to be this impossible task. It's not a task either, because then it just becomes a burden, like you said, but it, it can be possible to enter into kind of in this day-to-day rhythm. Yeah. And it leads us to that place of wonder and worship, I think, which is that royal waste of time that we're talking mm. about that we're, that makes our souls come alive and that's that expansion and and so, yeah. Awesome.